Welcome. I'm Paul Bishop, your host for this installment of Six Gun Justice Conversations. These are bonus downloads where my co-host Richard Prosher and I get to hang around the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast corral, talking with friends and fellow writers who are also fans of the Western genre. Today, the Sixth Gun Justice podcast goes international as I'm joined by Gustavo Quadros from his Alhut hideout in the heart of Santa Catarina, Brazil. An historian and a writer, Gustavo's stories alternate between suspense, historical fiction, fantasy, and now six-gun shoot-'em-ups. His first Western novel, The Rancher, The Gunslinger, and the Devil, was released at the Rio de Janeiro Book Biennial in 2019, and the translation is now available from Amazon US in both ebook and paperback. Hello, friend. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me here. First of all, sorry for my rusty English. So if I speak a word that doesn't exist, <laughs> please tell me <laughs> and I'll choose another That's one. That's okay. I make up words all the time. Just ask my partner, Rich. <laughs> How did you come to find out about the Six Gun Justice podcast? I started reading Westerns, like the classic ones. And I discovered Elmore Leonard was my favorite writer. It's just amazing how he could describe a scene or a person with so little words and so little pages. The story, I just get started and I just can't stop reading it. So I was looking for some critics and some reviews or maybe an interview on Spotify of Elmore Leonard. And I just ran into the podcast and I couldn't stop listening to it. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Thank you. For those of us that are geographically challenged, where is Santa Catarina, Brazil? Santa Catarina is in the south of Brazil. You probably think about a hot place when you think about Brazil. Santa Catarina has beautiful beaches, but it's actually a very cold place. You're about, what, 200 miles south of Rio? Yeah. So if you were to drive to Rio de Janeiro, how long would that take you from Santa Catarina? By car? Yes. Mm, let's say maybe two days, I guess. By car? Yeah. Okay. 200 miles here in the U.S. would take us, you know, three hours. <laughs> so two days by car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> when did you first get the bug to write a Western and why that genre in particular? Well, it all started with my father, actually. He really liked Westerns. My father was an old-timer. When I was like 10 years old, my father was already 70. He was a very classic old-timer. He had his favorite chair. Every night he would sit there and watch his favorite news and call the president names. I was really into movies when I was a kid. So every time I was watching a movie, it was always sci-fi or some fantasy stuff. My father would never watch that because, oh, that's bullshit. That doesn't really exist. But <laughs> whenever there was a Western playing on TV, he would stop the news and come to watch with me. So I realized that at the weekends, if I rent Western movies, I would spend more time with my father. And that's how it started. After some time, I realized I fell in love with Western too. And it was not just about my time with my father anymore. When you say you would rent the movies, obviously this is in the days before streaming became so popular. Would you go to your local blockbuster video store or whatever the Brazilian version of that franchise would be and rent Westerns? What was the selection like? 
Well, there was this corner of the renting movies store that was all westerns, and most of them were old movies and old copies. So we had these tapes, VHS for you, I guess. Yes, yes, yeah, we, VHS. We, we usually just call it tapes here. But some of them, they were available on DVD. I was fortunate enough to have both possibilities. So I watched lots of movies. You say the old movies. So was John Wayne among the most popular? Were those what was available or was there a wider selection? Actually, spaghetti westerns were the most popular ones, like the Sergio Leone Dollar Trilogy, Django, and things like that. But the classic American ones, they were available too, like Stagecoach and Three Tanks to Yuma. Those were the first American ones that I watched. Both of those genres, the spaghetti western and the traditional American western film, were available for you on those VHS tapes and DVDs. Were there any Brazilian Westerns at the time? Did the Brazilian film industry ever produce Westerns? Some decades ago, maybe during the, the 60s or the 70s, I'm not sure, there was this movement in Brazilian cinema called Cinema Novo. And lots of movies talking about Western genre kind of stuff in Brazil were made. They were talking about the problems of the people in the northeast of Brazil, which is a very similar location to the American West in some parts. Like there is this very dry land. It was a very violent place, lawless. They had this kind of bandit called Cangaceiros, which really looked like the American West outlaws with their hats and rifles. And they lived in the desert, hiding from the authorities. There were a few movies that came along that time with this theme. They were very good. They're very famous in Brazil until today. Cangaceiro is a very specific word to that kind of outlaw. The cangaço is how we call that movement of... Um, bad guys. <laughs> yeah, bad guys. Okay. <laughs> bad guys in the northeast of Brazil in the beginning of the 20th century. This is a very specific term. Not every outlaw would be a cangaceiro, but certainly every cangaceiro was a outlaw. I understand. Was there a Brazilian equivalent to the cowboys? In other words, like in Argentina, they have the gauchos on the pampas. Was there a Brazilian equivalent for that? Sure, certainly there is. The gaucho of the pampas, they lived in Brazil too. Actually, the pampas, they're not a Argentinian region only. We have pampas in Brazil and Uruguay. The southeast state of Brazil is called Rio Grande do Sul, which is south of Santa Catarina, where I'm talking now. And we call everybody that is born there, gaúcho. Those guys were a very real Brazilian cowboy. Brazil had a strong cattle industry, so obviously they would need gaúcho. Yeah. In fact, we started wars because of cattle with Argentina, Uruguay, and Paraguay. And the gaúcho were very strong and important soldiers in those wars in the 19th century. Have there been stories that have come out of that that are in Brazilian literature? Oh, I'm working in one. That's actually my <laughs> third book. But stories, yeah, I'm not really into gaúcho literature, but there are very famous gaúcho that write stories about those years and that era. 
Their music is very famous here, like really, really famous. And here in Brazil, and maybe worldwide, I guess, there is these communities that promote the gaúcho culture worldwide. So everywhere in Brazil, every city, and I really mean everywhere, even in the north, where, where the tropical forest, there's these places where they dress like gaúcho and they have those rodeo and gaúcho music. It's a really strong culture in Brazil. It's interesting to me how the Westerns of the movies and American novels have spread worldwide. There was, you know, a huge Western novel publishing in Australia, in Germany, in Sweden. All of these areas have not only imported the Western from America, but then have made it their own. Many of those were in the form of Western pulp magazines with the garish covers and fast action shoot 'em up stories. Was there anything like that in Brazil? A lot. When I fell in love with Western genre, watching movies with my father, there was this time when the movies were just not enough anymore. So I had to look for books. And the first ones I found were pulp magazines about the American Western. I remember when I didn't know them yet, I was talking about this with my sister and I was saying, I am looking for Western books and I don't know if they exist. <laughs> and she said, we had this uncle that I really knew very little. He died many years ago. And she told me this story that our uncle, he usually went out camping and fishing like for weeks. And he always carried with him this bag full of folk magazine Western stories. And wow. yeah, and then I realized, okay, so this thing really exists. They are not so popular anymore. I had to look for them. So I went to the internet because, yeah, when I was a kid, I had to rent movies. But today I have internet and I bought a lot of them. Actually, I'm looking at them right now and I read all of them. So give me some of the titles off of them, even if they're in Portuguese. I have this Caçador de Trapaceiros, which means liar hunter. There's this other one here, Cavalgando Cavalos Selvagens, which means riding wild horses. They're all fast action shooting both magazines, like 50 pages long, but they're amazing. Wow. And these are written novels. These are not comic book novels. No, they're not comic book novels. Then I found the, the comic books, the Tex Wheeler ones, and I read the most part of them, I guess. Were there any specific Brazilian cowboy heroes? For instance, you mentioned Django yeah. from the Spaghetti Westerns. That was a character that was repeated again and again. Yeah. Were there any Brazilian characters like that? Many of our Western movies talked about one cangaceiro in specific, like his name was Lampião, was a nickname. And he was probably the most famous bandit in Brazilian history. He escaped the authorities for years living in the desert with his wife, Maria Bonita, which means beautiful Mary, and his band, like for years, always dodging the lawmen and bribing the government and taking over towns. He's like a, a legend. He was definitely a bad guy, not a good example at all, but he became a legend. He became a folk hero, much like Billy the Kid or Jesse James, or for instance, in Australia, the equivalent, I guess, would be Ned Kelly. Absolutely like Ned Kelly and Jesse James. Every carnival, there's always someone dressed like Lampion. That's fascinating. It's amazing how alike the cultures are in so many ways. Yeah. 
with your own writing and the new novel that you have out, The Rancher, the Gunslinger, and the Devil. It came out in 2019? Yeah, it came out in 2019. It took me seven months to write the book. The idea of the book started a long time ago. Actually, I always wanted to be a writer. I can't remember not wanting to be a writer. Since I was a kid and I started reading books, I decided that I had to write my own stories. I wanted to have those jobs. I wanted to be a commando and a writer, an astronaut and a writer. But <laughs> yeah, so time passed. I didn't become an astronaut, but I started writing. But I didn't do it like it was a job. It was just a distraction, some, a hobby. Maybe five years ago, four years ago, I was reflecting about these things. And well, I've been saying to everyone, I want to be a writer, like four years. And what have I done about it? Maybe it's time to get serious about that and to go pro. So I was studying history and I decided to write a novel. When I started it, I really covered that, enjoyed doing it. It took me seven months to finish it. I just couldn't stop. You chose the Western genre because of your background as a child watching the movies, or was there some other reason that drove you to the Western genre? Well, when I started writing, I knew that it had to be an adventure. It had to be some fast-pacing adventure that was this kind of thing that I was reading when I started trying to write as a pro. It had to be a Western. It just had. I really can't explain it was for my father and the time we spent together. And for me and for those good days watching movies, it just had to be a Western. My Western is out in Texas. I decided that since it's a Western and it's my first one, I'll try the classic style. So I had the, the same problem that many Italian filmmakers had when they were shooting spaghetti westerns, which is I've never been in the U.S. I've never been in <laughs> Texas. <laughs> so I did the same thing they did. I made it all out. I invented everything. I watched a lot of movies. I read a lot of books. I actually know one thing or another. So I created the city names. Most of the story is set in a city called Serpent River, and it is located in the Mexican border. And that's it. It just had to be that way. When you finished that book, do you feel like you come to the end of a long cattle drive, or were you feeling refreshed and I want to go back and do another book, another Western right away? I really think that was both of them. It was a very important moment of my life, finishing this book and deciding, okay, this is what I want to do. I am working at a second novel right now. It's not a Western. It's a crime fiction novel, which is another genre that I do like. But since I finished that book, I am willing to return to the Western. Yeah, I'm just rushing to finish the second one because I just got to write another Western. Do you write in Portuguese and then translate later into English? Yes, sir. I write in Portuguese and The Rancher, The Gunslinger and the Devil, it was published in 2019. Since then, I've been receiving good reviews from my readers. And I was curious to know, well, it is an American Western, so I am curious to know what the American readers would think about this Brazilian guy writing American Western things. I decided to translate it. I have this very good friend of mine who was my English teacher years ago. We talked about the translation and she said she could do that. 
That's fantastic. On the reverse side, do writers like uh, Louis L'Amour, Zane Grey, or even today, William Johnstone, extremely popular here in America, do they get translated into Portuguese editions? Not a lot. I have a Louis L'Amour book right here with me. I read a few, but this one I have right here, it is in English. I couldn't find Portuguese copies of these books. I have this complete Western stories of Ilmor Leonor here. It is in English too. It is very hard to find American Western in Portuguese in Brazil. In America, of course, if a book was to be published in Portuguese, 99.9% of us would not be able to read it uh, <laughs> because we're a one-language country for the most part. Of course, there are people that speak and read other languages. I'm being a little bit facetious here. But the fact of the matter is, you wouldn't see those types of translations on a regular basis. I think the largest area for that is with the Norwegian crime novels that are now becoming very popular to be translated here. In Brazil, the majority of people speak and read English, do you think? It's got to be more percentage-wise than Americans that speak or read Portuguese. There are more Brazilian people speaking English, for sure, than American people speaking Portuguese. Actually, Portuguese is very similar to Spanish, so you should try it. If you speak a little Spanish, you can certainly read and talk Portuguese. You said Santa Catarina very well, by the way. You habla espanol un poco es muy malo. Okay, you speak Spanish better than me. <laughs> Here in Brazil, we have English at school. It's obligatory matter in school. So we try reading in English when we are little. I was fortunate enough to study English by my own, and I couldn't stop reading after I started studying. And there are so many books worldwide that they never get translated. And learning how to read in English was my only option. Tell me what your favorite Westerns are, if you have one, or an American Western that actually had a huge impression on you. That's definitely Ombre and Treatment to Yuma. Both of those being the novels as well as the movies? That's a very good question. My favorite movie is The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, but I know that's not American. My favorite American Western, that's probably mm, Three Tent to Humor. Yeah, the classic version. There's a distinct difference in styles between the traditional American Western and the Italian Spaghetti Western. Do you feel there's also a difference between the Brazilian type of Western that you would write? Is there something uniquely Brazilian that you think you would bring to a Western? Not actually in this book, because it's based a lot in American and Italian movies. But in those movies that I talked about that are part of the Cinema Novo movement, there is always this religious element in all those movies. And this is a very Brazilian thing. We are a very religious people. There's always religion and ethics in the stories. Uh, the movies, they follow the same path. There's always a religious background. The most famous one of the movement that I just told you is called Deus e o Diabo na Terra do Sol, which in English would be something like God and the Devil in the Land of the Sun. There is probably an English version of this movie, so this is a free translation. The Rancher, the Gunslinger, and the Devil, which is the title of your own book, you also have a little bit of, of that religious iconography there as well. Yeah, but the Devil in this story, it's not the religious one. I can't say much about <laughs> it because it would be a spoiler. 
But let's just say sometimes people can become the devil. Yes, they can. Gustavo, thank you so much for taking your time to be with me today. I really wish you the best of luck with The Rancher, The Gunslinger, and The Devil, which again is available via Amazon here in the U.S. in both ebook and paperback. And I'm looking forward to your next Western. Thank you for having me here, sir. It was an honor. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the Six Gun Justice website at sixgunjustice.com for information on prior Six Gun Justice conversations, Six Gun Justice speed lessons, and full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice podcast, along with regularly updated book reviews, articles, and interviews covering all aspects of the Western genre. Until next time, be kind to others, be kind to yourselves, and remember, the Western genre is appreciated worldwide. We're out of here. Let's ride.